coming up in this episode of Can You Believe It? Because I've been outside a lot. Yeah. Like, I've walked out of my house many times. <laughs> yeah. These damn porcupines coming into my camp, wrecking up, messing with my objects, taking my backpack off the pole. Before we go stupid on the internet, Facebook is trying to take your privacy. UFOs <laughs> in the skies, Illuminati's controlling your life. Can you believe it? Rob circles and Jesus toast. The time that Kesha fucked a ghost. Welcome to the second episode of Can You Believe It? Coming to you live in 3D from a suburban Melbourne toolshed. This is a highly irregular paranormal podcast where we tell stories about strange phenomena such as Yetis, El Chupacabra and M. Night Shyamalan and ask the all-important question, can you believe it? I'm your host, The Doctor, and I'm joined as always by a verified human and man who can tie his own shoes, The Colonel. G'day. Who's this week's uh, sponsor, Colonel? Uh, today's podcast was made possible by the good people at faceload.com. Faceload.com is the only website that allows you to go online and upload your face. Simply log on, create an account, and upload your face. It's really that easy. Facebook, uh, faceload.com has so many faces for you to load, it's literally brimming with faces. Faceload.com, get a load of your face. (laughs) Thank you, faceload.com. And our special guest, uh, this week is... Brady, who has been a fellow ghost hunter on occasion, uh, as well as uh, personification of the cross between rock and roll and the Richmond Football Club. Welcome, Brady. That is really awesome. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Let's uh, dive into this episode of Can You You Believe It? Today. Albert Ostman was born in 1893. Little is known about Osman's uh, life outside of one particular incident, except that he was Canadian, but of Scandinavian extraction. And when he began his working life, he largely worked in the logging and construction industries. He sounds like a like a stand-up kind of dude, like a you know. I, I believe anything he's going to say already. Yep. He, he was described as a lumberjack and tough woodsman and an experienced outdoorsman. See, I like that about a bloke. You know, like uh, like an outdoor, like a guy who can go out into the woods. And hunt and look after himself. You know, how many times do you have to respect that? How many times do you have to go outdoors before you become an experienced outdoorsman? I don't know. Because I've been outside a lot. Yeah. Like I've walked out of my house many times. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although, like, I've been camping with you before, and there was one particular occasion where you tried to serve me a poisonous plant. Yes. This is true, but that's more because I just don't like you very much. Right, okay. <laughs> no, not because of any, any any error in my outdoorsmanship. Right, okay. <laughs> Maybe he knows too much. <laughs> <laughs> in 1924, when he was 30 or 31, Osman decided to go on holidays. He'd spent the past year on a construction job and decided to head to British Columbia on, Can- on Canada's western coast for a vacation because he'd heard the area was famous for lost gold mines. He was going on a, on a prospecting holiday. Gold in them heels. Mm. 
that's my idea of a good time, a good holiday. And well, I mean, that brings out the best in people too, the yeah. promise of gold. Yes, look, look, nothing could possibly go wrong in the search for a lost gold mine. My, uh, my, my father once took me on a holiday mining, actually, for, for two weeks in the, uh, in the deserts of, of uh, South Australia, uh, mining for opals. Right. And uh, yeah, it was not a fun holiday, like... So you've yeah. actually been on a prospecting holiday, like Albert Osterman. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a mining holiday. They, they, that's a thing. They, they, they don't really do them that much these days. It's not really... Mining in the desert is, is not considered fun. Well, I can't see why that hasn't caught on. Yeah. <laughs> Osterman caught a steamship in Lund, a small harbour town in the fjordlands of B, uh, British Columbia, and hired a Native American to take him up the Powell River to the head of Toba Inlet. The Native American fed him a story about a drunkard who had lived in the area who would, who would spend his time in the saloons, spending his money like it was going out of fashion. Whenever he ran out of money, he would head off for a few, day, a few days to a supposed lost mine and return with a bag of gold. Mm-hmm. That's the best way to like just keep drinking in a saloon. Just, I'm going to duck off to the hills, come back with this just bag of gold mm. and just stay in the saloon forever. forever. Yep. Isn't that what we all do, though? <laughs> yeah, we all do some version of that, aren't we? Yeah. But one time, this, uh, this old drunkard went to the mine and never returned. Some folks said a Sasquatch killed him. Some folks did. They, Some that's folks... what they just straight up said that. Yep. I'm, there's no other reference to where they have evidence for this, but straight up, yep. Killed, well, by, killed by a Sasquatch. Yeah, well, uh, many Sasquatch researchers know that there's a connection between... Uh, gold and and Sasquatches and, and uh, they they most likely protect great deposits of gold. Really? Yeah. Right. I can can I believe that? I don't, oh, well, I don't, I don't, I don't have any. I don't have any proof. For no. That. no. <laughs> uh, according to Osman, this was the first time he'd heard of Sasquatch. The Native American described the creature as having hair all over their bodies, but said they weren't animals. They are people, he said. Big people living in the mountains. My uncle saw the tracks of one that were two feet long. One old Indian saw one over eight feet tall. Osman said he didn't believe in such old fables about mountain giants. The Native American replied, there may not be many, but they still exist. (laughs) They arrived at Toba Inlet at 4 p.m. and made camp. The Native American had dinner with Osman before heading off, scheduled to return in about three weeks to the same spot to lead Osman out of the fjordlands. The next day, Osman took his rifle and went looking for deer, but was unsuccessful and returned to camp. On the second day, he put together his pack and headed into the mountains. He made camp the second night, about 300 meters, a thousand feet above sea level. He spent the next day prospecting. <laughs> that's, that, that, that's really specific detail. Like, yeah, but he had like you know the the. Well, he's, um, a, he's an experienced woodsman. He 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 knows. He can just feel it in his in his bones. Yep, well, I'm about three hundred thirty feet above sea level for sure. Yeah, three hundred and thirty three, three hundred and thirty two. To be fair, it was an estimate. He said I was about a thousand feet above sea level. Right. Which you know that's you know pretty broad number. Um, Osman spent the next day prospecting and admiring the view of the boats heading out through the strait among the islands of British Columbia. He spent the third night in the same spot and headed out again the next morning further into the mountains. He made it over the mountain pass that night and camped. More hiking the next day until he reached another spot where he set up camp and stayed for a couple of days shooting deer and prospecting. There's just a lot of this. I should have cut a lot of this out. Then he was on again to another spot. Now very much in the wilderness where Osman set up a more permanent camp between two large cypress trees near a rock wall and a spring. 
He cut up pieces, pieces of brush to make a bed, drove a pole into the wall to hang up his backpack, and used flat rocks around a fire to make a cooking place. I'm gonna put a pole up here. <laughs> no, no, this tent's missing a pole in the wall. And then I need something to hang my backpack on. I, I like put that. Put a pole up. I'm assuming there's some advantage to hanging your backpack and not... Well, I suppose I, if it's sitting on the ground, it could get damp. Or something. As far as I know, when 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 you go camping or you know in America or like Canada, you you need to store your backpack with your food supplies away from your camp to stop, you know, drawing bears uh, in into your camp. But uh, for some reason, he thought it was okay to just put it in a pole. So I don't know, maybe well, yeah. maybe he's you know trying to attract the bears. Maybe it just was the fashion of the day. I mean, it is just nice to keep. The place clean. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this does set like a nice, sound yeah. like a nice camp. Mm. And Osman himself said, "I had a real classy setup." <laughs> <laughs> and that, and that is myself a real classy setup. <laughs> and that was when the fully functioning pole. God <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless this mess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just put out a welcome mat. <laughs> I had a real classy setup, and that is when things began to happen. Osman said. He went to bed that night and awoke the next morning to find some objects around the camp had been disturbed during the night. My objects has been disturbed! And it used to be such a classy place. <laughs> yeah, well, he knew because everything had its spot. Fucking hey, he, he was just, he'd set it up classy style and something's come in and just made it unclassy. Now, some folks say I'm a little bit OCD. <laughs> Osman's first suspicion that it was a porcupine. These damn porcupines coming into my camp, wrecking up, messing with my objects, taking my backpack off the pole. I won't they have it. They, I don't think they touched his, his backpack. That might have made him think it wasn't a porcupine. I think if that happened, I suspect. Tipped over his shoe. I'm fairly, yeah. I'm, I'm fairly certain they can actually climb trees and stuff too, porcupines. They're, they're kind of they're dangerous. Wow. Can I, I remember reading as a child that they can actually shoot their quills at things when, no, when attacked. That's is that I, that's no they detach. That's the best thing I've ever heard. Uh, so, so when like a like like a bear or a dog bites into a porcupine, the quills uh, detach from the body and are left in the in the face of the. But that sh shooting them out of its body is way cooler. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think that might it's be like, like a like a cartoon you've you've seen. Maybe. I can't rule that out. But the idea of a porcupine like hunting and just sort of like turn around like fucking like, <laughs> shooting a deer or something with its quills. They they don't eat meat. Fuck they. <laughs> they do. Hang on. So they eat, somewhere they, they eat bones, they eat bones and, and, yeah. and teeth. Yeah. That's and actually, there was uh, at some point I don't think I put this in here, but he um, when he thought it was a porcupine, he put his shoes in his sleeping bag the next night because Pokemon's like eating leather yeah yeah they, they eat anything they like but bones. not meat you're saying they won't eat meat no they, they don't eat meat but I think like the them like eating bones or whatever is more like a like a I don't know maybe like sharpening their teeth or right. something okay. thing rather than mm. like they actually take sustenance from bones because that's pretty dark <laughs> there's not a lot of sustenance to be had in a bone no <laughs> I'm just going to leave that comment on the table <laughs> uh, Osman's first suspicion was a porcupine the next night, he slept with his rifle under the edge of his sleeping bag, but slept through the night, undisturbed. When he woke up, he found his backpack had been turned upside down and then hung back on the pole. Definitely porcupines. Yeah. A couple of things were missing, too. Half a pound package of prunes and some pancake flour. Mm. Gonna make me some pancake prunes! <laughs> Prune cakes! Ostman looked for tracks, but found none. There was evidence of a visit again the following night. 
Osman stayed close to camp to keep an eye out for who the visitor was. The next night, he vowed to stay awake until morning, his rifle and prospecting pick close to hand, but he fell asleep. This guy's shit at staying watch for on anything. He just, you know, there's all this shit's going on. Someone's dumping his bag out, and he's just heavy sleeping through it all. Well, when you're hiking through the wilderness... Um, and you're not eating, you know, great regular meals. You don't have enough energy. You know, you get tired a lot easier. So, you know, I can see how that's that's good. I would be stuffed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's no fucking way I'm sleeping. Like, one of this, this... multi-camp business. I'd be back at camp one. Yeah, yeah. yeah this, this place will do. I'm just going to stay here for three weeks. Yeah, you, 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 you don't find any gold staying at the one camp. you got to, you know, you got to go. you got to look for it. you got to prospect for it. No, just wait for the gold to come to you. Right, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Osman was awakened by something picking him up. It carried him and his pack for three hours up into the mountains. Osman was still in his sleeping bag with his rifle beside him, but he couldn't see a thing. The sleeping bag was closed over his head with only a small hole letting air in. Porcupines. Definitely still porcupines. Mm. Whatever was carrying him was big and breathing hard, coughing occasionally. Porcupines. Uh, Osman decided decided it must have been one of the Sasquatches the Native American had told him about. I mean, that would be terrifying. In a sleeping bag and something just picks you up. Yeah. And you're inside a bag and you can't get out. And, yeah. Yeah, that's... yeah. Just I would... Uh, I'm never going camping you up again. and puts you in his tucker bag. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually, the creature stopped and dropped Osman and his backpack to the ground. Osman could finally poke his head out of the sleeping bag, but it was dark and he couldn't see much. But he could hear chatting, a kind of talking he didn't understand. Mm-hmm. Porcupines. While getting his shoes on, which he'd left at the bottom of his sleeping bag, yeah, so the porcupines would need him, mm. uh, and massage- massaging the cramps out of his legs, he realised there were four creatures around him, chattering constantly. When, he got, when it got light... Osman emerged from his sleeping bag, wobbly on his legs. There were four <laughs> naked, large, hairy creatures. What you fellows want with me? Osman said. <laughs> well, sir. Uh, <laughs> I apologise for uh, bringing you, heard- you here <laughs> in your sleeping bag. But- Have you heard about our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ? <laughs> <laughs> Any chance you know how to make pancakes? <laughs> Uh, he later described the creatures as looking like a family a mother a father a son and a daughter I think I've seen this sitcom (laughs) (laughs) Harry and the Hendersons no that was that was that's that's a show about Bigfoot did you ever see watch that as a kid yeah yeah Yeah. I think I have seen Harry and the Hendersons before yeah good good talk (laughs) I'm glad glad I mentioned that uh by Osterman's estimates, the father was about 8 feet tall, or 2.4 metres, uh, and weighed about 800 pounds, which is 360 kilograms. That's a big squelch. That's about six of me. <laughs> the mother was 7 feet tall, uh, 2.1 metres, and weighed 600 pounds, 270 kilograms. Uh, the children seemed scared. The mother seemed unhappy about Osman's presence. Oh, they always. Yeah. <laughs> and the father kept waving his arms and yelling. So it sounds like just any family, it's like really. The Simpsons. <laughs> it's like the, the Sasquatch Simpsons. Marge, I brought home a woodsman. Oh, homie. Mm, homie. That's another of 
Father Sasquatch's crazy harebrained schemes, kids. Again! (laughs) 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 After a short while, they left him alone and moved away um, around the camp. Osman uh, pulled a compass from his pocket, tried to figure out his location. He needed a compass for that? He was able to tell how far above sea level he was before, just by the degree of the sun or whatever? Uh, I think he was... Yeah, I, I, good question. No, I don't, no, I, I, I don't no, know. No, you know, you know what? At, at the point where you're kidnapped by a Sasquatch family, you start to question your own knowledge, don't you? Right? So, <laughs> experienced outdoorsman. That's right. all I'm saying. Uh, he appeared to be in a very small valley with only one way in, which seemed to be guarded by the father Sasquatch. He'd sort of go and just sort of sit down at the yeah. entrance to the valley. Osman went through his pack to see what he had and noticed a few more things were missing. More prunes and some macaroni as well as a full box of rifle shells, his prospecting pick, and the majority of his matches. Mm, the shells are concerning. Because mm, you want to hope that the Sasquatch doesn't have a gun. Well, yeah. I mean, everyone in America had a gun. So, so yeah, wouldn't be surprised. Even the porcupines. Even the porcupines. <laughs> the Sasquatch children watched him from behind a juniper bush. Osman wandered around the area... Uh, and found finding there was a, a, a constant water source and they'd set up a, a sleeping area which was under an overhanging rock with dry moss on the floor and blankets woven from narrow strips of cedar bark packed with dry moss. Mm. There's no comment on whether he found it as classy as his own camp setup. Okay, so I just heard that they made blankets? They ma- yeah, they had blankets woven from narrow strips of cedar bark packed with dry moss. So they've kind of wedged this moss into this... Right. Bark. That sounds cozy. Things. I mean, available at most IKEAs. <laughs> <laughs> Except you have to put them together yourself. Yeah. yeah. You weave your own cedar yeah. bark. Why do I need an Allen key for a blanket? It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really scratchy. <laughs> These instructions are all in Swedish. Over the course of the first day, the boy Sasquatch edged closer, watching Ostman with less fear and more curiosity. Uh, uh, but, yeah. but, <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we, we should, yeah, was, the boy Sasquatch, known as Bart, um, Osman offered him an empty snuff box to play with, which the Sasquatch played with with his sister and showed to the father. They chatted about it. On the second day of his time with the Sasquatch family, Osman decided he would try to leave, as he was worried he wouldn't, didn't have enough food uh, with him to last more than a couple of days. So he rolled up his sleeping bag, shoved his belongings in his in his pack, loaded his rifle, and began walking to the entrance right. of the small valley. Now take right. me back. <laughs> Carry me back now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I'll be seeing y'all now. <laughs> the father Sasquatch, who was again near the entrance to the valley, stood up and held up his hands as if to push Osman away. Osman, Osman pointed towards the opening, but the creature kept moving toward him, saying, Zoka, Zoka, Zoka. Zoka! Eventually... damn silly squatch, I want to go now! (laughs) Zoka! Eventually, Ostman backed away and went back to the Bigfoot camp. On the third day with the Sasquatches, Mama Bigfoot returned to the camp with arms full of grass, twigs and nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Just ducked down to the shops. The boy would often collect sweet roots to eat, which he would be shared with Ostman. So he's, you know, they're providing for him. They're bringing him some grass and some twigs to chew on. I mean, they are hospitable people. They are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Over the next couple of days, Osman hung out, 
having a pinch of snuff occasionally. Just having a pinch of snuff. Watch, watching the creatures as they either rested or oh, foraged. Man, there's nothing more peaceful than just sitting back watching the creatures having a pinch of snuff. <laughs> watching the creatures either rested or foraged or the young ones climbed on the nearby cliffs and trees. The, the boy, Bart, uh, would play a game where he would, quote, take hold of his feet with his hands and balance on his rump, then bounce forward with the idea seeming to be how far you could get without your hands or feet touching the ground. <laughs> Sometimes he made it 20 feet. <laughs> he jumped 20 feet on his ass. Like, I think he kind of, like, bunny hopped. Oh, right, okay. Without yeah. unbalancing and, and having to touch the ground with his hands or feet. Yeah. You know, like, as weirdly specific details go, that's pretty high up there. Like It, it is. Uh, uh, that part of the story is uh, makes me wonder, if it's if, it, if this isn't a true story, then that this is a game that Osman played as a child that he invented. Okay. Like, yeah, because I was thinking, like, uh, if, if you're going to make up a story about, you know, being kidnapped by a family of Sasquatches, you probably mm. make it a little bit more... Like believable, in you know, in terms of the details, because that's just it's, really yeah. absurd, right? Yes, and I just like the fact that in the story, in the middle of his story, is this game that this ba- this young male Bigfoot has invented that he's playing to keep himself entertained. I just I... well, you know, there, there's shit all to do out there. <laughs> <laughs> the TV reception's just fucked. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. The father seemed particularly interested in the snuff that uh, Ostman had. Uh, yeah, you like the snuff, hey? The father Bigfoot had a taste of it, and Osman suspected Good. he may be able to use a large amount of the tobacco product to make the creature sick enough to facilitate his escape. Clever. I've mm. tried that multiple times. <laughs> <laughs> it's the tried and true wait, method for escaping wait, Bigfoot. Wait. Sniff this handful of tobacco. <laughs> no. All of it. <laughs> no, I don't want to. No, go on, do no, it. Just, just do it a little bit. Are you trying to leave? <laughs> yes. <laughs> It works every time. Because snuff is so popular. How to leave a party. Get your host to ingest a large amount of snuff. (laughs) On the sixth day, Ostman now went about his his now daily ritual. He got a fire going, made himself some coffee in an old food tin, while he ate some of the crackers and butter he had left. (sighs) Relaxing time. Crackers, these uh, these crackers are called hard tack. Have you ever heard of these? Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's like a, a... Biscuit made to last a really long time. Yeah, yeah, it's like the real world equivalent of dwarf bread. Like Lembus bread. Le- Lembus yeah, bread, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. it's called. El- Sorry, Elvish yes. Bread. Elvish bread, yep. He then took out a bit of snuff and popped it in his mouth. Father Bigfoot had moved closer to watch Ostman have his breakfast, and when the snuff tin came out, the Sasquatch grabbed it and emptied the contents into his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and then licked the inside of the tin with his tongue. <laughs> 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 Can't let any of this drug go to waste. (laughs) (laughs) Just gobbled it all down. Well, come on, we've all done it. Yeah. Um, uh, After a few minutes, the father appeared ill. He grabbed the remains of Osman's coffee can and drank it down, grounds and all. Sasquatch then rolled on the ground a few times, squealing like a stuck pig, as Osman said. Yeah, yeah, that's not a good time. Mm. No. Uh, If you've ever had grounds in your coffee, it's like... Gritty and gets in your teeth and yeah. Also, I think eat, eating a large quantity of tobacco is just gonna be fucked. Yeah, yeah. You're probably gonna have a bad time. Yeah. <laughs> Osterman readied his rifle, but the father then headed to the nearby spring for water. 
so this is the only point in the story in in his account where he actually thinks about shooting. Really, yeah, he he think he got kind of got his rifle ready, and was thinking about pointing it at this uh, Sasquatch. But, Make uh, my day squelch. <laughs> but the the he, uh, the Sasquatch ran away to get to the the water supply to have a drink. So while that was happening, Osman packed his backpack and ready to leave. But while that was happening, the son, Bigfoot, ran to the mother who began to shriek and saw what was going on. Osman quickly ran towards the valley entrance, but the mother chased after him, quickly gaining on him. Yeah, <clears throat> that would be quite terrifying. Uh, wouldn't yeah. it? You know, being chased by a, a giant mountain woman, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that'd be scary. Slightly arousing, but, but mostly scary. Yeah, you know, great big hairy pendulous breasts flopping about. There's, I've actually I've left out the bits, but in Osman's account, he does describe the uh, female Sasquatch's breasts in great detail and suggests of that... Of course you would. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's... Uh, the, well, you know, the first thing anyone's going to ask when you get to town was like, hey, what are them titties like? <laughs> Saw a female scratch. She, no, she had no clothes on. Oh my God, what did her tits look like? Well, hang on, hang on, hang on, back up. What did her titties like? Uh, he did note that the female Sasquatch wasn't built for beauty, I think was how he described it, but did note that uh, her boobs would have improved in appearance with the help of it, one of their modern-day brassiers. So how, how many days do you have to be living with a family of Sasquatches before you go, right, okay, I'm just going to have sex with them. Oh, yeah. I'm just going to try it. Right. I'm going to fuck one of them. Is it the daughter or the mother? Both. Oh. <laughs> So the mother Sasquatch was gaining on him, and in desperation, Osman turned round and fired his rifle into the rock over, damn squatch! over her head, and she turned and ran away. So that's here the cheap opportunity. Probably could have shot one, bagged it, brought it back to, to camp, and, go, and back to town, and gone. Look at what I caught. Look at what I Look got. at these titties. <laughs> look at look at this actual body of a female Sasquatch I have. Yep. But the titties, especially. Have you seen the titties? I'm thinking about charging a dollar. <laughs> Two dollars to touch the titties. <laughs> Two dollars, that's a good, that's a bargain. Well, how much do you usually pay to touch titties? Uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast. Okay. Osman reloaded his rifle as he ran. He jogged downhill through a canyon for three miles, uh, looking over his shoulder regularly in case the Sasquatches were chasing him. Osman climbed a ridge to have a better viewpoint so he could see if they were trying to follow. And then after a while, continued down the other side before setting up camp for the night. The next day, with no sign of the Sasquatches pursuing him, he continued heading in uh, what he figured was the right direction. Soon, he heard the sound of an engine and followed it until he found some loggers. Tired and sick from fleeing and eating little except a grouse he shot uh, the previous day, Osman asked for help. The loggers said he looked like a wild man and asked where he'd been. Um, <laughs> so, you ain't gonna believe! <laughs> so he had been up in the mountains, he hadn't shaved for a couple of days. There's no no mention of him bathing at any point during this. Just comes down wild as He's like out of the bush. I've been kidnapped by family squelches! <laughs> He's. Titties, Mr. Titties! <laughs> <laughs> the giant hairy pendulous breast in my face chasing me! Anyway, like these, they're lucky they that they didn't just shoot him. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> they would have had guns there too because they're loggers. There's gonna be bears oh, around shit, the ship. Yeah, they would yeah. have just. Uh, yeah, and also, you know, everyone has guns in America. Well, it's in Canada. Sorry, that's uh, 
We shouldn't uh, cast such aspersions on the <laughs> true, Canadians. True, true. They, are they would have been sorry about it. They are <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so he's come out of the, uh, the, the the scrub looking like a crazy man, and they don't shoot him. But Os- Osman told them he was a prospector who had gotten lost. He said nothing of the Sasquatches for fear that they would think him crazy. Oh, clever. Mm. Yeah. Just, so, keep, just keep it close to your, to your chest. I find it really hard to believe that if something like that genuinely happened to you that you wouldn't work, walk out and just go you're not gonna fucking believe what just happened and just I mean seriously you've had two days to break it down though and this is the first civilization you've kind of stumbled across yeah and he's been he's very been up in the wilderness for uh, I'm gonna say it's about two and a half weeks yeah around yeah, the I'd, about, yeah I'd keep it on the DL for a little bit yeah, yeah, I, I think um, coming straight out and just and laying it on the people that that are going to rescue you, yeah, that's it's, it's maybe a little risky. Okay. But so this well, this is the point where the uh, the the can you believe it comes into it. So if you're if you're one of the loggers and this dude comes out of the wilderness looking crazy as fuck and he, to- and, he and he if he actually told you where he'd been really and says I got kidnapped by Sasquatches. Who Wait. ate all my snuff? <laughs> and then you know, and you told him this story about him, you know, the baby, the the boy one bouncing around on his ass, and then you know, <laughs> and, and the big one gobbled down my my, ate my all whole snuff. snuff clip. What are you, what are you going to think if you're one of those loggers? Can you believe it? Because mm. I'm wondering that the the loggers would possibly have heard that heard of these creatures before, if the tales like as the Native American told. Um, Ostman on the way into the fjords you know Ostman's hearing about this story other people must have heard about this story mm. yeah yeah it's, it's sort of like a, like I mean, a f- what year are we again? Uh, 1924 yeah um, so uh, like like a folklore sort yeah, of, yeah yeah like yeah urban talked myth about. Kind of thing. people back then had a bit more time for folklore and yeah. crazy stories yeah. than maybe we do now well in pre-internet mm. age we maybe we <laughs> yeah <laughs> Before everybody got incredibly stupid. Yeah, before we got stupid on the internet. Facebook is trying to take your privacy. (laughs) (laughs) Just a shout out to our sponsors, Faceload. Thanks, yeah. Um, (laughs) So, Osman told them he was a prospector who'd gotten lost and said nothing of the Sasquatches for fear they were thinking crazy. Well, yeah, at that point, you, you, you probably want to make sure you're going to get rescued. So by telling someone that <laughs> I've been, I've been yeah. living with a family of squatches, you, they, you, they might go, oh, you know what, I think this guy... I think we should take him back out in the forest and, <laughs> and leave him there. I don't know, man. Like, this guy, it just seems like too much trouble. Yeah, you know? jump in. <laughs> Do you think we should shoot him? <laughs> the loggers drove him down to their base near the sea where he was fed and checked over by a first aid man. He was a little, um, he, he wasn't in the best shape. He was feeling a bit sick, but they helped him. But, and all, but hey, they're Canadians. They're going to help. They're, they're just going to be helpful. I don't mm. think he's got that to worry about. Mm. Uh, Osterman was given some clean clothes and caught a boat back to Vancouver. He never went prospecting again, and he never saw the Sasquatches again. They, and they didn't write or anything? <laughs> <laughs> you never call. <laughs> uh, Osterman kept this story to himself until 1957, so 33 years later, when he began seeing stories of Sasquatch encounters appearing in newspapers of the time. You call that a Squatch story? <laughs> I got a Squatch story for you! 
Mm, yeah, that, that's that's a little suspect, isn't this it? This is the wheels coming off, because that kind of sh- like I would understand maybe not the first group of people who you want care from. Yeah. You don't tell about that kind of <laughs> but thing. Thirty three years. Yeah. Oh yeah, that time. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to put it in the back of my mind. <laughs> But I just can't get those breasts out of my mind. <laughs> Been thinking about them titties for 33 years. I finally got to tell someone about them. So who did he tell? Funny you should ask, Colonel. That's when Osman decided to tell his story to John Green, the lead journalist, editor, and owner of the Agassiz Harrison Advance newspaper. Oh, that's a that's a reputable... Uh, newspaper still exists actually oh, uh, really? yeah uh, it has a slightly different name now I think it's called the Agassiz <coughs> Harrison Observer I think, they love yeah. their like uh, you know eccentric and crazy names for things back then too like just well it's it's that's just named after two towns in uh, in British uh, in uh, Western Canada they're about 125 kilometers west of Vancouver Agassiz and Harrison uh, the headline on the on the newspaper story read, "I was kidnapped by a Sasquatch," <laughs> which that's just the fucking best that's headline. Just I've straight to the point. And, it, and mm. if you're a, a journalist, you are just waiting to use a headline that yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, that's the first clickbait. <laughs> it is, yeah, it is. <laughs> extra, extra! I was kidnapped by a Sasquatch. Oh, fucking give me that! <laughs> you won't believe them titties. <laughs> <laughs> I was kidnapped by a Sasquatch. You won't believe what happened next. (laughs) John Green began collecting stories of Sasquatch encounters around the time he first interviewed Osman, who lived not far from him. The journalist believed Osman's story, claiming later that Osman was a very believable fellow who handled tough cross-examination with cheerful composure, swore to his story without hesitation, and stuck to it until he died. So, do... You say that you have been kidnapped by a Sasquatch family. Is that what you're saying to me? Yep. Are you sure? Yep. Are you really sure? Yep. Well, I believe him. But... <laughs> <laughs> soon, soon, <laughs> soon after his interview with Green, Osman was cross-examined by a police magistrate and swore under oath that his story was true. Did you really? <laughs> Did you get kidnapped really by a Sasquatch? Yep. Swear on the Bible. Yep. Uh, I'm done. Uh, I'm out. Any more questions? Your witness. <laughs> Your witness um, it, it, I don't know. It seems like a, a lot of trouble to have gone to, because you know the yeah. attention of li- living with a or get, being kidnapped by a Sasquatch <laughs> family. It's probably not going to be a positive attention. You know, it's probably you know. People are going to be questioning. That, that your goes somewhat to the point of, of not wanting to t- tell it for thirty-three years, though. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, I'm, I'm, it's, I've never really, I've never seen where it says anywhere whether he was cross-examined by the police magistrate and sworn under oath because uh, he wanted to do it to show as a sign of like proof of his truth, or, or because Green asked him to do it to verify that you mm-hmm, know his story. Mm-hmm. Or I have another theory. Uh, potentially, he wanted revenge. And they wanted to send the police out into the wilderness to capture <laughs> the kidnappers and bring them to justice. <laughs> well, if you got kidnapped for six days by anyone, you'd go. Well, you'd tell the cops. Well, yeah, man. Yeah. Okay. Thirty-three years later, maybe not. But 
It's like you wake up one day and went, they fucking kidnapped me. <laughs> I'm going to the cops. <laughs> Hang on. I, did, I, I, I didn't choose to go with them. Yeah. Did they touch you in your special place? <laughs> he did. Uh, Osman did say that he was never mistreated by the Sasquatches. Well, that's nice. Mm. Well, they, they were quite his, uh, hospitable. They shared their sweet roots with him. <laughs> gave him a lift. And grasses. <laughs> and gave him a lift in. <laughs> that is a European wasp just flying around your head there. Whoa! That's okay. great. Fuck off. And... That's Australian it's gone. people. Yeah, Flying so porcupine! That's how Australian, <laughs> Australian this podcast is. We just got attacked by in, killer insects during in the middle of it. Yep. That's not to mention all the snakes crawling everywhere. And the, <laughs> yeah. the spiders. Yeah. Keep your feet up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, some people didn't believe Osterman's story. What? Mm. I know. It, I mean, haters gonna hate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... He's gotta shake it off. Did he bring back... <laughs> Like, did he bring back any fur or or uh, or any you know artifacts? Some scat, perhaps. Some scat, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> Some scat, perhaps. Yes. <laughs> yes. Did you bring back any poop from the Sasquatches? <laughs> um, yeah. Well, um, no. But to be fair, he's probably not thinking. Ooh, really need to collect a sample here. He's more thinking. I gotta get the fuck out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I need to get me some more snuff. <laughs> Run that snuff. <laughs> One skeptic claimed it was more likely the result of imagination than of recollection. That's harsh. Yeah. That's harsh. I mean, to just disbelieve straight up. He had the whole story. The kid was bouncing on its butt. <laughs> I can already tell that guy's an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I say that to people all the time. Like, what did you do today? Oh, I went to the shops and stuff. That sounds like the result of imagination <laughs> rather than of recollection. Uh, an- another skeptic, a primatologist, John Napier, suggested it was not possible for an entire family of Sasquatches to survive in that area due to the limited food sources. Well, that's because so their, their like diet is, is, is it's, it's, it's supplemented by, you know, uh, whatever... Prospectors have carrying around in their backpacks, you know, a bit of snuff, a bit <laughs> of coffee, endless <laughs> supply of prune pancakes. Prune pancakes. They're like Yogi Bear. They're just out there getting oh, people's bigger nigger baskets. And just take the prospector with them. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a more fucked up version of Yogi Bear if instead of just taking the picnic baskets, they took the picnickers with them, yeah. carried them off into the mountains. And then ate them. Yeah. Because they're fucking bears. Well, that would be that would be a more realistic version. Yeah, that's wouldn't the, it? That's the gritty reboot of yeah. Yogi Bear that we've always wanted. Mm. Yogi and Boo Boo just carrying off picnickers <laughs> and eating them. <laughs> who who is this guy though coming in with like, uh, well, actually, a family of Sasquatch could not survive in this area. <laughs> well, that's sure twelve that. clicks to the northeast. <laughs> They would live in paradise. <laughs> I am a professional Scientologist. <laughs> uh, others have questioned uh, why it took Osman so long to tell his story and noted that he only came forward after other Sasquatch encounters were publicised. Well, you don't want to be the, you know, the lone dick hanging you know, in the wind. Mm. You've you got to wait for some other people to come out with their stories and then you top their story. <laughs> yeah, instead of being a pioneer, he was just like a bandwagon jumper going, no, 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 I was there from the start. Yeah, he was like... He was I like got a, their first album. He was a Squatch hipster. <laughs> Squatch hipster. Well, you don't open with Freebird, do you? 
However, John Green um, said Osman's story actually flew in the face of some of the accounts of the time. According to Green, Sasquatch were not commonly thought of as completely hair-covered creatures living much the same life as a bear. Instead, their public image was that of a tribe of giant Indians, hairy only on their heads, who lived in villages and held annual get-togethers on a special mountain and used signal fires. <laughs> Which makes me think, wow, the early accounts of Sasquatches were fucking awesome. Yeah. They have like little fucking rave festivals up in there with this, and signaling people go with a, a fire, saying, hey, there's a party going on. <laughs> Come on over to our mountain. Or maybe that's just like how, how they're luring, you know, uh, researchers to their areas to eat their picnic baskets. It's just the first Burning Man. <laughs> burning Satch. Well, there's like um, some of the earliest accounts of, of Native Americans uh, in Sasquatch where they talk about like this race of like man-eating, like red-haired giants that live in these caves and stuff like that and that they used to trade with the Indians but then at one point they started stealing their women and eating them or something and then the Indians went up to the cave and set it on fire this sounds like a whole other it's an epic movie (laughs) (laughs) Osman's story gained him plenty of attention in the growing field of Bigfoot experts so this is where that we got kind of a boom time the late 50s early 60s is when we first got the uh Bigfoot hunters, kind of thing. The first, like, so John Green and uh, a couple of other people, um, Renee DeHinden and Don Hunter, turn up uh, around this time and writing their stories. Yeah, collecting I all these. I, I feel like you know, Bigfoot researcher. That's that's a term, uh, but Bigfoot expert. <laughs> Bigfoot expert. You can't be an expert on something that either A doesn't exist or B you've never found before mm. can you? look I'll, I'll own up and that's my word I've used here uh, oh, right. so that experts. Wasn't, yeah, but right. you know fuck these people would probably claim somewhat to be researchers experts in their field mm. uh, interesting on a side note this uh, the, these stories of Sasquatch around this time that, where all the articles started coming out in the 50s uh, is around the time that stories about Yeti started to spring up so uh, there was these reports started uh, popping up of uh, the Himalayan hairy creature, Shipton's, at, from Sherpas account. and stuff, yeah. and yeah, and then a few as this kind of these stories kind of become disseminated across America, a little like a year or two later, we started getting Sasquatch stories appearing. Yeah. So which obviously means that there's multiple species living in separate continents, correct? Or <laughs> or and I put to you a uh, yeah. uh, an alternate idea that someone went fuck yeah we got one of them in America too <laughs> <laughs> oh you think you got a big hairy beast <laughs> oh mean, we got a bigger hairier beast parallel to the space race there was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. see a, there's also the theory that there's something about human consciousness that we like to invent this creature that lives that's like us but lives in the woods and is is mm. disconnected from the problems that we have in our society and it's the, it's the fear of the unknown manifesting in some you know version of the you know some well, vaguely humanoid version of yourself you exactly. go oh, I can't, and, and I can't imagine anything except maybe like a bigger hairier version of me and and all a lot of societies have yeah yeah that a lot story. of cultures like, um 
completely disconnected from each other have that yeah. same kind of myth so collective consciousness yeah is yeah one idea about that or there's or, just sasquatches everywhere yeah. <laughs> or that we we have common story elements that pop up everywhere like the great flood is one everywhere. or, or Sasqu- sorry you're right yes uh, in his subsequent interviews, Osman said uh, he noted his belief that he had been snatched. The reason he was kidnapped was to be a mate or for mating purposes with the young daughter Sasquatch. To be pimped out. That's it. He's the stud bull that they brought in. Yeah. 33 la- years later, he just realized, I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> I could have had some of them. the only <laughs> man. <laughs> They ever lay hands on some squatch titties? That he, the headline of like I was kidnapped by Sasquatch just gets a whole lot better if that was the version yeah, of it. It just like goes off into this fantasy land of like him living in the forest with like his Sasquatch wife and his like half human, half Sasquatch kids and you know like that would be a cool show. He he spent thirty three years weighing that up like just you know she was the one that got away. Yeah, <laughs> and thinking about the life he could have had. Yeah, that was actually right underneath the headline: "Wild man cock blocks himself." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually feel sorry for him now. Like, <laughs> that's you know your one chance at greatness. Yeah, and you just you blew it. I, I mean, it has to be true now, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> There's no. Re- uh, I couldn't find any record anywhere of, of whether Osman got married uh, or you know had. had He's got the nice pining. Yeah. <laughs> no, no woman can be as good for me as a Sasquatch. Sometimes could I'd go outside and look up at there in the moon, and I'd know that she'd be looking at the same moon, <laughs> same moon as me. In their co-authored book on Bigfoot, Don Hunter and Renee DeHinden noted that in chats with uh, Renee Osman had described the penis of the father Sasquatch. <laughs> As resembling that of a stallion, mm. but only about two inches long. Like a stallion, pink and angry, <laughs> but only two inches long. Strange, though. It's actually just shaped like a horse. Apparently, the thing that backs this up, apparently, is that... Uh, Giant, big gorillas like silverbacks and stuff. Oh, oh, I can't remember if there's a specific type of gorilla. They also have only a, a two-inch penis. Are you speaking from first-hand knowledge, or <laughs> no, is this something you've researched? I've researched. Uh, I googled. You googled gorilla, gorilla dick. dick. <laughs> no, gorilla dick. No, gorilla dick. All looked at animal yeah, dicks. Exactly. I mean, yeah. um, no, it was mentioned in in, um, in some of the resources. And again, um, there will there will be there are sources for this stuff. Believe it or not, I can't and so wait we'll, to hear how, we'll how you explain the... your uh, internet history to your uh, wife. <laughs> to my empl- or to my employer. <laughs> Honey, have a look at this duck penis. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Um, Research. Yeah, so we we will list all the sources uh, for this stuff, so you can see for yourself uh, where it talks about gorilla penises. So that that's something. Uh, the, the discussion of the penis isn't something from his earlier accounts, but after Ostman uh, gave his initial interviews to John Green, suddenly uh, over the um, the next couple of years, uh, Sasquatch penis of descriptions life, became flooding flooding in. No, well, he uh, had a lot of uh, Bigfoot researchers contacting him wanting to talk to his story and, and tease out different facts um, yeah. such as some um, some primatologists wanting to find out about you know the way 
they interacted specific things about their appearance and stuff. So. Hello, is this Osman? Yeah. yeah. How long were their dicks? How big was the dick? <laughs> and, and can you tell me... Why did it smell like? Did it smell bad? <laughs> can you tell me a bit more about the titties? <laughs> Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. Don't stop. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm a Bigfoot researcher. <laughs> <sighs> John Green later said the the only other information he had found to verify Osman's account was from quote an old friend of mine that he had that had first heard of the Sasquatch in the early 1930s from a trapper at Toba Inlet who said he knew of a young Swede who had been carried off by one. Mm-hmm. So Osman was of Scandinavian extraction, and uh, in the interviews that we've seen of him, he talks. In this strange, like, yeah, yeah, it's sort of, yeah. It's a vaguely, there's a Swedish lilt in there with his weird <laughs> backwards kind of way of talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very peculiar mm. accent. Yep. Yeah, so, I saw out in the woods. <laughs> 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 um, so, this account would indicate uh, that Osman, if that is who the young Swede was, had indeed told his story to someone before he, before he gave his interview. Right. So that's that's slightly more believable that rather than sitting and stewing on it for thirty three years, he potentially you know got really drunk one night at the at the pub <laughs> and and went. Now nah, I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story. You sit down there, get comfy, grab yourself a whiskey. Oh jeez. Strap <laughs> in. Let me tell you about Sasquatch titties. Like, how deep would it have to be, though, before it's... Like, are we talking, like, words are starting to slur? No. He's... I, I don't know. I just feel like there's something that would... that you There'd be a situation where you, you wouldn't be able to resist bragging about the story, and it's probably when oh. you're really shit-faced. Yeah. Any, any time I had a beer... So, kids! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear about Nathan's dick again? Oh. Yeah! Okay, uh, set it on in there. Granddad. It was shaped like a giant stallion. <laughs> oh no. Hair flowing in the wind. Granddad's telling his Bigfoot story again. Fuck. Eating sugar cubes straight out of my hand. We called him Sass Biscuit. <laughs> Sass Biscuit. Uh. Yeah, there's, there's, that's the only, um, verifying account uh, because you know with a lot of these things you're relying on one person to say I saw I was by myself in the woods and I saw a Bigfoot so the only thing that kind of backs up someone else verifying the story is that they heard someone else tell the story in the 1930s yeah from a trapper at Toba Inlet so I guess has anyone ever been able to find the actual area that he was describing so he's talking about like a like a a, ca- a cavern or like a natural like a really small valley, like so. It's it's seen. It sounds like it was also described as as like a basin. So it's got really high walls on either side. There's a natural spring running into it, and just one small point of exit. And you gave dimensions about how sort of. Deep it seems that like exit the kind was. of thing that could be verified via Google Earth or something. You know, that, these days. Maybe, and he, and he gives really detailed descriptions too about like how far he's trekked. Um, and some of the vague geography as he's going through there. So there's, you know, I, I did find on, on, a, on a chat board somewhere where some people had talked about trying to find it because someone said, oh, 
you know, so where's this fucking lost gold mine that he went looking for in the start, you know? Oh, uh, yeah, that's a good point, um, yeah. And they sort of, uh, they tried, they went back through his account and tried to figure out where he went went in and then, because he also talks about um, where this logging camp was that he got out again. So there might be a way to sort of triangulate those positions or something. But I couldn't find anyone who'd actually done that. So, right, okay. Um, yes. Uh, in 1972, John Green sold his newspaper and dedicated his life to researching Sasquatch, writing numerous books on the subject, uh, and he died uh, two years ago, I think. And Ostman died in 1975. When encountered by someone doubting his story later in life, Ostman replied, I don't care a damn what you think. Yeah, that's my man. Mm. That's my Ostie right there. Oh, represent. LB. So, Colonel. Brady, can you believe it? No. <laughs> but first of all, had you heard any of that story before? No, none of yeah. it. No. Right. And so hearing it for the first time, you yeah, it's it's insane. And the amount of detail he goes into, like yeah, with the camping and whatnot before it, but his time with them, it's uh, I don't know, man. It's good storytelling. It is. And I think there's probably, if you get, if you've theoretically waited thirty three years to tell a story, or you know, or you're seeing other accounts coming up, coming through, you you can better spend a bit of time in your own head creating something that has those extra details. Well, there's a flips. There's that whole outdoorsy character where genuine, you know, no bullshit kind of guy, but they are spending long periods by themselves <laughs> yeah. in yeah. the mountains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to invent myself a story. Yeah. Yeah. With kilos of snuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, look, um, uh, there's no option for me to even consider that this story is plausible. It's, it's unverifiable. Um, it's from 1924. It's and only recounted in the the specific details uh, leading up to his encounter with the family says to me that you know he has thought about trying to make some specific details to give his story a little bit more credence. So to me, I just think no, it's it's just a complete fabrication. Mm. Well, I be I believe him totally because you know like <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Someone's got. I mean, if someone your official position is that you believe this story for the sake of this podcast, yes. <laughs> I, I I think what I love is the idea. I just I just love the idea of Osman sitting there in his chair for you know for thirty three years, going someday I'm going to tell my story <laughs> and it's going to be good. <laughs> like it's just, but I got to wait for the right moment. So, so in, in, in you saying that you believe the story, are you saying that he believes it? I don't, I don't believe the fucking story one, one iota, but I, I kind of get the feeling that Osman believes I, it. I kind of got the feeling that he does too. And that's, uh, that's, and that would be the thing if you're drinking somewhere in backwater British Columbia and some crazy old guy comes up to you and, well, let me tell you a story, boy. That... <laughs> 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 That would be a really entertaining night at the pub. And also, if you did it on multiple occasions, you'd kind of get these secondhand versions of the story getting out. Yeah. Because if I had met this dude at the pub and he told me this story, I'd, go, I'd, I'd come to you guys the next day and go, 
fuck, you're not going to believe what, that, what happened last night. This dude told me this story. Just fucking hang on to your hats. Yeah. No, it would be quite entertaining. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I, I feel like he maybe believes it somehow. Yeah. Um, and that makes the story all the more sad, I think. What, what's actually, what's also kind of sad about this story is there's no other details about Osman's life outside of this event. There's nothing that... I couldn't there, find there, there is photos and that sort of There's thing photos, like, yeah. like he actually existed but yeah yeah but the, all, all the photos are of him being interviewed by John Green or when he's interviewed by other you know, news of the type or um, TV shows but there's no we couldn't, couldn't find anything about his early life or any of his life after the encounter after he told the story except that he just kept giving interviews about it there's his, his whole life that we can tell is recorded is based around this soul encounter it's the only reason we know him is the only reason he's a footnote in history and he never he never married either because he, well, couldn't, I, I he couldn't, couldn't couldn't find anything he just couldn't kill that that longing for <laughs> so there's there's no you know ancestors to relate their grandfather's story or anything either that's it that's probably why it's really hard to find any details about his life as well but um yeah there you go that's the sad story of the unrequited love of Albert Ostman. The Sasquatch Slumber Party. <laughs> yes. Alright, uh, so that's it. Uh, apologies for using uh, mostly Texan accents for um, a Swedish guy from British Columbia. And the sources for this will be posted. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Any final words, anyone? Uh, no, no, I'm very satisfied. Um, I'm sure that we're going to have uh, uh, qu- quite a few Bigfoot stories throughout our, our podcast because yeah, we're, we're, it, it, it is a favourite topic of mine. So It is. You are wearing a Sasquatch-related T-shirt for yeah. this event. Yeah. yeah, look at the titties on it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. uh, Brady, thanks for joining us. Hopefully we, we can uh, have you for future episodes as well. Yeah, and totally. uh, hopefully we've all learnt something today.